0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the end zone podcast my name is Eric Jensen and I'm joined today uh, by the, the, the rotating cast and crew of characters that we have on every week on this show Mason will be joining us for the AFC North preview which will be happening today but to start we have a little bit of NFL news going on it's Brad it's YB welcome to both of you thank you very much for being here Training camp has basically started. We are we are here. Football is here. Uh, it, I cannot believe it. In a week, we will literally be watching the Hall of Fame game, which is of course worthless and not even worth watching. But, I will not
1: be watching the Hall of Fame game. I, but, I want to be clear about that.
0: But uh, we'll, we'll be in football season, and it'll be a beautiful thing. No pleasantries this time around. There's too much football to talk about. How are both of you doing? How are we feeling going into this football season? We're about to start the slog. At least I am. I know you can't be around for most of these, Brad. But me and YB, man, we're committed. Like, I mean, that's we're, a, little, we're,
1: this we're, a lot of slander right now. We're, we're getting, getting man, into one real job.
0: to maybe two, two shows a week. Right. I mean, we are about to grind like we have never grinded before. YB, are you ready?
2: Yeah, I'm not distracted by segways of fentanyl, unlike Brad, so. Hey,
1: hey, hey, listen, listen. There's nothing fentanyl related about my career choices. Uh... I work. Listen, listen, it's not my fault that I don't work a Mickey Mouse job where I can record two hour podcasts in the middle of a shift. I mean, what do you, what, what, what are we doing? Mean, is there taxpayer dollars going towards your position? YB? I mean, what are we doing?
2: Here? Well, well, considering this is a private company, I'm not sure any taxpayer dollars are going towards you. I think my taxpayer dollars are going out of my wallet. Brad, here's
0: here's the thing, Brad. Here's the thing that you have to learn about the real world and being an adult. And I think YB can back me up here I, I, at a real job. Like, it it is hard work. It is hard work at a real job. But about, you can get most real work done at your job if you sit down and do it in the span of between two to four hours. And then once you have that real work done, it's a lot of waiting on other people to look and review that real work and move things forward. And you're working as part of a team. So there are like two hours a day, basically slash maybe sometimes three or four, where you just literally have to, you know. Kill
1: yeah, I'm time. familiar. I'm familiar with that. I've I've worked in office settings before, but I do not work in an office setting. I the thing the thing is the thing is I'm not calling the legitimacy of your career uh, into question. I mean I, I you just write, were <laughs> what the fuck? you literally just did I <laughs> just
2: said it was a Mickey Mouse job. What the fuck?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like it's we we can't all be as lucky as you, you know. Is what one on saying. I got not
0: know. Something, something wild, job, something wild is head happening head with uh, YB's computer screen.
2: If my job involved fentanyl and segways and a cabin in the woods, I mean I'm sure I'd be a busy man too, but hey, wait, I mean, we wait, can't be a thing. Wait, is the goal?
0: Wait, is this just my computer screen or is no, this going... got some crazy camera effects going on? You've got some no,
1: crazy th- camera I
2: effects. I think I think my I think my ca- camera is reflecting the reflecting the mood that I am in after Brad's uh, slander towards me. So. It's not
1: slander towards <laughs> Listen, I'm sure you make a significant amount of money and and I I am I'm happy for you that you've managed to game and the system in this I'm way. I'm just distracted it, by oh,
0: Yv's camera.
1: It's very we, scenic.
0: I, 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 there we go. It's back now. But wow, what that it was like we oh no, it's back. It's, it's going it's, again. It's like we're watching like an old 1950s like TV broadcast. I, it's not really going to be a problem. This is an audio medium, but. Very, very interesting stuff going on with your with your webcam well,
1: what's today. Just, what talk about what's all just talk about no pleasantries. I mean, the pleasantries are listen
2: Well, like, this is anything but pleasant. Here, if I'm, I'm being perfectly honest, <laughs>
1: if I wanted if I wanted if I wanted to know about football, I would not be doing it through here. You know, people come here for for honest, Eric. It's not about it's not about the football. It's uh, it's, just, it's about the football for me.
2: The Brad. end of it, times it, podcast. It it
0: really is about the football for me. Um, it, you know, football. Going through some rough times right now, personally. Won't won't get into much more, more than that.
1: Uh, what but is the Eric Jensen therapy pot, though. But, I feel like but, we, I feel like we can make a lot of headway.
0: But my oh my, I'm so excited for football to be back. I mean, football, he just
1: changed the subject on I me. Mean, that's crazy. Football, I mean,
0: just... no football is a beautiful thing because football will, football will never leave. Football will always be there. Football. Okay, is... so I'm
1: sensing a little bit of, a little bit of resentment there in those last few. Yes, Some fo- issues.
0: football is the number one thing I love and will always love. I am so happy that football is back. Okay, football is back. So, YB, give me something you're looking forward to going into training camp this year.
2: Well, what's going to happen with Jacobs? I mean, Josh Jacobs. I mean, Saquon, after his uh, much publicized Zoom call, like decided that he could, decided that the situation basically amounted to we're screwed. Take the best, take whatever you can. And basically settle for having a one million dollar option, like incentive option, on the franchise tag, which, I mean, if I'm if I'm perfectly honest, it's not the worst decision he made. He could have made. I think the worst decision he could make is pulling a Levy on Bell. But when you think about it, and Jacobs like so apparently leaving Las Vegas as opposed to going into training camp, so you wonder what's gonna happen because say because. Now with that Saquon is there the big name the big name that is still on the tag and hasn't signed is Jacobs and I don't think the Raiders even with Devontae Adams, have anything equivalent that can uh, replace what Jacobs can bring like regardless of what you might think of the value of a running back so I'm interested to see because the Raiders are a mess already and this doesn't help that's a,
0: that's a solid one. Brad will let you finish your drink of water here but then what's something you're looking forward to uh this training camp season
2: oh you just swallowed so, that thing down
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and I don't listen I don't like being labeled as a homer or biased or anything mm. like that but the thing I'm most excited about this this train camp is the Justin Ross hype I mean I'm already seeing the smoke start to infiltrate through the through the vents of of uh, the football media circuit. Uh, especially with Kadarius Tony already being injured, I mean, buddy. Yeah, dude, buddy, who, who would surprised. have seen that coming? It's <laughs> it's not
0: like someone on this podcast has been saying, "Wow, maybe it's a mistake to trust Kadarius Tony to be your number I mean, one wide receiver all history. off
1: season long." I mean, he's celebrating a player's injury. I mean, that's kind of messed up. I'm just I'm just saying that this clears the pathway for my prophecy that I made in an earlier episode of this very program that I. I from before about uh, but justin ross being the chiefs wide receiver one by the end of the year and we are heading towards that reality i mean this is this is been the most talented healthy guy like if tony's gonna be out listen you're gonna see a lot of justin ross smoke uh creeping in through your window okay you're gonna see a lot of it and i want you to know this all real where there's smoke there's fire and where there's fire there's justin ross remember that that's what i'm most excited for
2: mvs punching air right now like the forgotten I man just, wide receiver not
1: very good, unfortunately i, I love mvs but he's just not he's he's got his moments you know but he's just, he got his money he's got his money he's got his moments uh i've enjoyed his chief's tenure and he is what he is he, he's not more than what he is he's not less than what he is he just he just kind of is what he is and he could be more but he's not and i've accepted that uh
2: any any comment brad on the chris jones situation
1: He'll get his money. He'll get his money. Yeah. I mean, he's under contract yeah. for this year. He's under contract for this year. If he doesn't get his money, it's beyond idiotic because this this team would not work without him. The defense is – they overperformed at points last year. But, I mean, it is this is a patchwork crew of, of promising rookies. But at the end of the day, it's nothing special. And for a defense to be special, it needs at least one or two – special players and, and the chiefs i mean the, you can't it's it's pretty hard to find a more special defensive player than chris jones so if you don't pay him i mean hey, he's under contract for this year i'm not worried about that but if you don't pay him i mean how many franchises have a player like chris jones in their history you know what i mean like you gotta pay him like he's gotta do it i don't care
2: yeah i mean yeah, it's kind of kind of the same deal like he's they're, they're, they're gonna come to a resolution one way or another and I don't think Chris Jones will like take like like hold out like for when he's already getting paid a pretty significant sum, like regardless of what you might think. So, I mean, I I get why I get why he might feel aggrieved because he had an incredible season last year. Was probably one of the main catalysts towards them winning the Super Bowl last year. And he feels that he's the second best guy behind Aaron Donald, and maybe he's above Donald in his in his mind because he's a bit younger. So, I don't blame him for trying to get the bag when he can because. This might be his like big opportunity to get that big oh, yeah. bag one last time. He's earned it. Yeah. Yes.
0: Two things for me. One, uh, I was shocked this morning when I read the headline: Jimmy Graham has been given what? a one-year <laughs> deal by the Saints. Uh, Wait, for what? those for those wondering, uh, Jimmy Graham is thirty-six years old and will be playing on a real NF like a real one-year NFL contract. With the New Orleans Saints this year, like he will be part of the Saints game plan in, in, in some perspective. So, yeah, that's that's going to be wild. He hasn't played in about a year and a half, and he's still Jimmy Graham, he's still got the body. Probably, I bet he's a lot leaner, maybe a lot faster, but it'll be interesting to see how 36 year old Jimmy Graham produces in the NFL. I that I personally. That was the first headline that shocked me today. And then the second headline that shocked me today is, I don't know if you guys saw this, Brock Purdy is cleared for training camp. Like, I guess maybe I misread the reporting terribly in January or it was just reported wrong. But I thought he was going in for Tommy John surgery and was done for like a year. And I, I guess if they avoided Tommy John surgery. He beat his timeline back. And now he's ready for training camp. And I mean, if if he doesn't get injured and if he is the 49ers starting quarterback and if he plays like he played last year, I mean, uh, uh, we're looking at the 49ers again. It's like, okay, maybe this is the clear favorite in the NFC. I was just shocked to hear that he will be 100% ready to go for training camp, I'll be interested to see how much preseason he plays, and I'll I'll be interested to see very early how that arm holds up when he gets hit. As the the, the offensive line is going through some changes there as well. So, uh yeah, I, I don't know if either of those headlines crossed your guys' desks today, but man, it, it
1: they both shocked me. I mean, just the Trey
2: Lance, Truthers, are in shambles right now.
1: Terrible news for the Darnold Truthers. I mean, you went for Trey Lance, but I mean. I don't know. I kinda I kinda love the vision of, of the Sam Donald Kyle Shanahan comeback. And now that's probably toast. Yeah. Which, I mean well, you know. I mean, let's
0: be honest, guys. The 49ers always play three different quarterbacks every season. Mm-hmm. So True. I would say there is a very high likelihood that we see all three play at some point this
2: year. Well like well, the one thing kind of is amusing to me based on our history with this podcast is that like Eric was the one that was like so adamantly like did, like poo pooing the discussion about Brock Purdy yep. and whether he was any good, and now he's the one that gets excited by this news. So I mean, all I, I, I can change in a year, I guess. So
0: yeah,
1: opinions change, man. Opinions change. <laughs> yeah, you're heartbroken. You realize Brock Purdy was a good quarterback all along, and that's growth. That's what happens. I'm I'm happy for you. I like Purdy because something about him is that quality that some quarterbacks have that you can't quite put your finger on it but like when your finger's on it you're like that's my guy and that's Brock Purdy I just want to put my finger on him and be like that's my guy because he is and like you just have this feeling that he's going to make the right decision you know where it's like maybe the upside isn't quite as the same as with Trey Lance but like I, I don't know you just kind of have this feeling with Purdy where it's like I think I should be a little scared of this guy you
2: know when you think about it, like Purdy, like regardless of his draft capital or whatnot, showed that he could at least, at the very least, utilize this very talented group and not make too many mistakes and a lot, give him a better chance to win. And Kyle Shanahan, like regardless of the fact that he's a genius and he's a very innovative guy, he hasn't won the big thing yet. So if you're looking to maximize the this year's talent on the Niners, then Purdy might be the best option, as opposed to Lance, who is still completely unknown after two years in the pros, and Darnold, who we have we have evidence, is not really the what we hope what people hoped he would be. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense that if Purdy like I based on what I'm what I'm searching up and reading, that he's on a bit of a pitch count, at least in the beginning, and then they'll see how it goes. But if it all goes well and he's ready to go at least like if not week one, then like week three or whatever, then then Purdy gives him the best shot. And I don't blame Shanahan for sticking to that plan. As opposed to be married to the draft capital that trade has commanded.
0: All right, before we take a break, before we head to the AFC North preview, are you ready to play the hits, Brad? Always. I
1: didn't read the preview of what we're that's doing. That's okay. I
0: mean, we're I about to. Do. We're about to play the hits. Because Justin Herbert just got paid.
2: Um, Justin
0: uh, Herbert just got paid $268 million. And there are a lot of haters and losers out there saying, oh, he's not worth it. Okay, number one, he absolutely is worth it. Justin Herbert is an elite NFL quarterback. It is not his fault that his coach does not know how to manage games and that he is a legitimately bad defensive coordinator at points and doesn't really know how to game plan for opponents. Sometimes it also doesn't help that he plays for a cursed franchise, but let's please all just admit that Justin Herbert is in fact a good quarterback who did deserve to make this much money because he did. He he's making his money. It's a five-year deal. I truly believe at some point in his career, it may not be with the Chargers, but at some point in his career, Justin Herbert will win a Super Bowl. That is something that will happen, and it will make Bradford Sonnenberger absolutely sick. So now i give i give I give him his chance to rebuttal as the number one Justin Herbert hater on the planet. Bradford, why don't you tell us all why this is such a bad deal and, and what, what major gripes you have with a young man making generational wealth for himself after performing extremely well in the NFL, putting up stellar numbers and tape. And uh, why don't you just tear the young man down as
1: you like to do? I, I it, It's only fair. This is this, is, this is, I'm seeing you you're misquoting me. I mean, hey, a guy throws 25 touchdowns in a year, you just got to make him the highest paid. Highest-paid quarterback in the league. I mean, 25 touchdowns in the year 2023. I mean, those are impressive numbers for a guy to have. No, I just I, here's the thing. I I I think obviously it's worth it for the Chargers to sign Herbert. It's a lot better to pay for Justin Herbert than to not have Justin Herbert at all. I just I just feel like I mean this this guy is the highest-paid quarterback in the league. I mean this this guy this this guy. I mean Herbert's very talented. I I have nothing against Justin Herbert. I like Justin Herbert. I like watching Justin Herbert. I think that he's a little overrated. And I think that Justin Herbert would be uh, held in so much less higher regard if Mahomes didn't play the one game in his rookie year. You know know what bugs me? Whenever you see a stat where it's like, Justin Herbert over his first three years owns this record and this record. But if you didn't count the one game Mahomes played, he gets absolutely just wiped off the board. And it's like, Herbert's accomplishments are on a technicality is, is all I'm saying. I mean, this guy, he's very talented. A technicality, he says.
0: I think that he's a little overrated. I mean, he can't stand to give a top 10 NFL quarterback even a shred of
1: credit. No, I don't, I, I don't really giving not quarterbacks credit. I'm just saying that this is a guy that has accomplished absolutely nothing in his career, has not been helped out a whole lot, but at the same time, I mean, just In the biggest moments, has has failed to to fail to deliver, and I think that until he puts up uh, an all time season or accomplishes something, that maybe we should chill on the Justin Herbert is the Michael Jordan of football talk that a lot of people listen uh, listen spout off about around here. That's not
0: every not everyone gets to start their career with Tyree kill. Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid in their corners. It's hard. It's harder for some guys. People talk about Justin Herbert like he's Joe Burrow.
1: You know, like look what look what Joe Burrows done.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Some guys get Jamar Chase and T Higgins as well. I mean, what were we talking about here? Of those guys, Justin Herbert has had the least to work with. He's had the corpse of Keenan Allen, who can't stay healthy, and the corpse of Mike Williams, who also can't stay healthy. He has never had a season in which his best wide receivers have stayed healthy. Come on, Brad. Give the guy some credit. He has done a very good job in the NFL. How many, how many points,
1: points did they have on the, on the Jaguars? Last year, maybe it was 27, 27 nothing, something like that, 28 nothing. Oh, I
0: guess Justin Herbert plays defense now.
1: No, but at the same time, he first of all, he had nothing to do with the points that they did score. That was just off Lawrence interceptions. And when literally his team needed a single field goal from him, he could not deliver. He could not deliver. And this is the thing I'm saying with Herbert. He's a fantastic talent, uh, well-deserving of the bag, uh, i'm i'm happy that that the Chargers are committed to to building a team around him with absolutely no cap space but hey 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 i just i mean what are we doing i mean this guy what's this guy done what's this guy done i mean 25 touchdowns last year i mean this guy's the highest paid quarterback. he won't be the highest paid quarterback for long i mean i if that's what justin Herbert gets i mean cincinnati's going bankrupt i mean like how are they paying for this guy joe
2: well, well, apparently they're putting up sponsorships for the stadium and whatnot. I have no idea. To be perfectly honest, I don't care to go into Mike Brown's bank account to know what exactly is going on there. But considering the fact that Mike Brown made Carson Palmer the highest-paid QB at the time, and he paid, he made Andy Dalton the top five, top-paid QB, I'm relatively certain that Joe Burrow is going to be like. Like there, there are some people that say that that Burrow was basically waiting for the Justin Herbert numbers to come out. So he could go a little bit above that, you know, and the little bragging rights. And like, if you look in, I mean, I have, I have nothing, no slander to say about Justin Herbert, because like, after what, like, obviously because Burrow and Herbert were in the same draft class and, you know, all the talk, all the people talk about comparisons and whatnot. Like I had I mean maybe there was some enmity there because of like who I root for and what and what Justin Herbert does. But remember that game against the Chiefs when he yeah. got he got absolutely drilled in the ribs and could not walk and then just it just fired a piss missile for a touchdown? Remember that? Like Impressive. I lost any yeah, it was it's it was brilliant. And Justin Herbert's a brilliant quarterback and regardless of the fact that whether there's a whether there's a better quarterback in your division or not, like obviously in the case Mahomes is in that division, which kind of makes things a little bit, you know, It does that, but Russell Wilson, Herbert. uh, Well, Russell Wilson of twenty thirteen, maybe, but that that was ten years ago already. Jesus, feel anyway. uh, uh, Anyway, but when you think about it, when you have a talent like that, you really don't want to play the whole tag and you know wait for the wait for contract and yes around and and f around and find out. Like and what like regardless of like some of the failures that he's had in early in his career, the dude's only twenty four. So he's got a lot of time left in him in his career. And I think like I mean, obviously like depend like the Chargers are also somewhat of a cursed franchise. So they might like they might try to build around Herbert and maybe they succeed, maybe they won't. But hey, you have to have someone to build around and that's someone that better be a quarterback. So I have no problems with them giving Justin Herbert this deal. Like is, is he worthy of the biggest contract in the NFL? Maybe not, but that's the way these things go. That's how the market goes. All I
1: mean, right. You, you what, talk about you talk about the that, piss oh, missile game, but I, I mean, he's, just one second. You talk about the piss missile game, but I just—if I remember correctly—I believe that game ended because he threw a game losing pick six. If I if I recall correctly,
2: he, he threw the pick six first, and then he got it, and then he got drilled in the ribs, and then he and then he threw that piss missile, and then well, the he didn't cover the yet. pick six. Yeah, it was after, so he had to throw the piss missile to get back to you know to get back within like contention after well, even. he had messed that one up. So, all right, yeah.
0: I'm gonna take control here. We did play the hits. We did talk about Justin Herbert mm. for a long time. So I I but I, I do want it on the record. I believe Joe Burrow is currently a better quarterback than Justin Herbert. Speaking of Joe Burrow, we will get to the AFC North shortly when Mason joins us. Okay, we're back now. Mason back from a war uh with with his six-year-old. Mason, I mean, Herring lost a lot of buddies, lost a lot of good dudes out there. But how, how how'd
3: you come back from war? Do you have PTSD still? I mean, it was it was fortunate for me um, that Tom Hanks came to get me, man. I mean, I was out there for a long time. And uh, I don't know that I'm ever really going to be able to come back to regular society in, in the same way that I used to be. There's just these little things now. That just they bring bring all of these memories back from the time that I, I served down there in the bedroom. And so um, you know, but again, thank you, Tom Hanks. Uh, you know, good looking on your part for coming to get me. Never gave up on me.
0: Very good. All right, we have limited time. Brad is about to go see some indie movie and instead of talking about the AFC. Uh, North. I mean, what, what I I can't even believe it. I mean, put him in jail. Speaking of war, the man is a war criminal for choosing indie flicks over AFC North talk with his boys. You know, like
1: uh, we, we see uh, once again, we see where you value us, uh Bradford. Both worlds here. I not only am I discussing uh the AFC North, I am also going to this movie. So really, it's it's about it's about that balance, and I've achieved. I I. I have ha- I am having my cake and also having more cake is what they say.
0: All right. Let's start with YB's team. Let's start with the Bengals and, and a very simple here question here for YB. Uh, as most of you can tell at this point, our offensive questions are usually centered around quarterbacks. We like talking about quarterbacks on this show. I'm hoping at some point we can pick just a random night to do a quarterback show before – uh, the season kicks off, but that will we will see how our schedules work for that. It's kind of a nightmare sometimes. Uh, so I have to ask you this YB, what are Joe Burrow's weaknesses at this point, and how can he get better here going into now? What is it year four? I believe so with
2: Joe Burrow, like. Well, obviously, you wish he had a cannon like Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert, but obviously that's not something you can develop over an offseason. So, regarding that, like he had, like he had, he obviously, like when you look at the advanced stats, he got the ball, got rid of the ball quicker than I think virtually any other quarterback in the NFL over the past over the past season. And you are hoping that the reinforcements they continue to bring on the offensive line can kind of change that. And Burrow, I think, occasionally has these occasions where he wants to try playing hero ball, you know, run around like run around like I don't know, Mahomes or Lamar Jackson and then get caught because he's not as fast as either of them. And but on the whole, like if you look at Joe Burrow's career and how he's how he's played, like there like he's very good in most areas of quarterback, especially in pre-snap diagnosis and also in accuracy. So that's something they'll look into. I think what I think in terms of the entire offense, they want to do is obviously you incorporate the three big the three the triplets and the wide receivers like get them going not just on goal routes but also they tried to do that with chase like pep him underneath a lot more have tickens ghost uh you know t higgins like come in a lot more for intermediate routes and attack various levels of the offense and i think last year in the beginning of the year they couldn't run the ball at all partly that was because of Mixon i think partly that was kind of scheme so it, but now that they have uh what they have, you know, one of those popular uh, late round running backs back in running, running backs back there to try to see if he, you know, he, he can he could be the usurper to the throne of Mixon and Mixon took a pay cut to remain with the team as opposed to testing out these frigid running back FA market. So I think like they've managed a lot of continuity. They now have I think a legitimate good offensive tackle, if maybe not great in Orlando Brown. Like so I think the concern would probably be the right tackle position because the erstwhile left tackle Jonah Williams is being asked to move to right tackle, something he was against originally, but I think they've convinced him that even if you're a right tackle, if you play well, you can get paid, which is now the case nowadays. And they'll be competing with Leo Collins coming off that torn ECL and Jackson Carmen, maybe. Like, like so they've gotten a lot more depth in the offensive line, and like because the offensive line, like even last year, I think was good until the injuries piled up. And when you have three starters out on the offensive line, there's not really much you can do. Like that's just how the dice roll. Dice roll sometimes. But on the whole, the offense I think looks pretty darn good. And if they can get something more explosive out of the off, out of the running game, whether it be Nixon Reed discovers the founding of youth or uh, Chase Brown or Trevion Travion Williams decides to provide that spark themselves. That'd be how they can up how they can upgrade the offense. I'm not too high on nerves Smith, to be perfectly honest with you. And judging by how they've used the tight end in the last couple of years, I don't think he's gonna be like a, like the huge breakout start of some fantasy hands are making him out to be. So but as long as they have Chase, Higgins, and Boyd and they're all and they all stay healthy and don't miss too many games, it'll still be a very good offense. Like maybe a, maybe a little bit hampered by the lack of a true elite player on the offensive line, but on the whole, very good offense. And I don't think anybody will debate that.
0: Yeah, I think to me, this is pretty clearly the second best offense in the NFL from top to bottom. Uh, great quarterback, great offensive line, depth on the offensive line, decent running back room. What What are your thoughts on Chase Brown, YB? Uh, what, uh, obviously, as a Bengals fan, you've probably done more research on him coming in and and guys like Chris Evans and Travion Williams than I have at this point. Tell us a little bit about the guys that could potentially be usurping Joe Mixon, because I, I, I do think you're right. I don't think Mixon Mixon has an injury history, and I don't think he'll be the starting running back for the whole year.
2: Like with, uh, Chase Brown is hard to say on I mean, because I, he, he's shown that he can endure the load because he's endured the load for many years in Illinois, if I remember correctly. And like the one thing that's kind of kind of confusing about Chase Brown is that like the the running back that left Somaji Pirine, like one of his biggest attributes was his pass protecting intelligence and ability something which Mixon is unfortunately sorely lacking. So with Chase Brown like I've heard very conflicting reports about whether he is a good pass protector or not. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think Chase Brown shows some explosiveness in college as well, and obviously he's a bit younger than Mixon, which helps. Chris Evans, I had high hopes for last year, and he, and that did not come to fruition at all. Like, ironically, I think his spot has now been usurped by Travion Williams, who became the kickoff returner at the end. I think he showed that he can at least, in spurts, provide some explosiveness. But like, the running back room lacks explosive capability. I think, and and I can, I like to attribute that in the beginning at least to the scheme because. There were occasionally a few games when Nixon did break loose for some yards and showed that he could be the Nixon of old, but it's a work. It's not exactly like the biggest weapon that the Bengals have. And Nixon played like he caught a lot of passes in the passing game because Burrow began to utilize dump offs a lot more in, in the face of pressure, and I think that will continue. So Chase Brown, I think he can he can perform that role as well. So. I think it's, I think it's not the greatest weapon that they have, but it's not a, it's not in a horrible spot either.
0: We're gonna stick with you here, YB. You are a Bengals expert, so it just makes sense to keep grilling you on this stuff. Let's move over to the defense. The biggest question I have for the defense is what does this secondary look like? Obviously, you move on from. Uh, oh my God, how is his name escaping me? I made fun of him so many times, Eli Apple. You move on <laughs> from Eli Apple. You know, you lose um, Bates and Bell. Bates and Bell Bell in free agency. Bates on the Falcons now. Bell, where did Bob Bell end up? Panthers. Panthers. Well, it's a solid pickup by them. Dax Hill obviously was the high draft pick last year. Nick Scott's going to be your other starting safety. I like Jadobi Awuzie as a corner. He's always been pretty solid, and Cam Taylor Britt is a solid young player. I'm not so worried about corner. They've got some depth there. They brought in Mike Hilton. But how do you feel about the safety room and how overall the back half of this defense looks? Because I think the front half of the defense looks just about as good as it was last year, and they added some depth as well.
2: Yeah, the front seven or well, the front six because they like to play in the nickel most of the time. Like it's pretty much set with the f- same four guys on the on the defensive line and uh, Hendrickson, Hubbard, Reader, and Hill, and then the two linebackers and Logan Wilson and Pratt. And Jermaine Pratt, Jermaine Pratt got re-signed at a much lower rate than I expected, so that was a nice surprise. We got some, well, the Bengals got some good news today because Chidobe Awuzie began like full began full activities today. So he seems to be recovering well from his torn ACL, but Ousley is in his last year of his contract, and they added. They I think that's why like they went uh, with a cornerback in the second round, a DJ Turner who's really 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 fast. Like not exactly the same style as Ousley, maybe, but I think Cam Taylor-Britt because of his like, because he had trial by fire in the second half of the season after Ousley went out, and he grew into a better role I think as he went on. So. They're hoping that the con- progress continues in year two. Mike Hilton, obviously, is still there. He's a very good slot corner, if somewhat of a liability in coverage, because he's way too damn small. The safeties, obviously, are going to be the big question mark. Dax Hill, like, obviously, he didn't play much at all last year because Anoruma doesn't like to rotate his safeties. And he did show some mental lapses in special teams, which concerns me, but he's athletic. And I think in preseason, at least last year, he showed that he could play the position very well. Nick Scott, I'm not sure if he'll be the starter because he'll be battling it out with Jordan Battle, ironically, like the third round safety they drafted out of Alabama, and they the, the reports I've heard of it, that Jordan Battle is incredibly smart in terms of like diagnosed and pre-snap diagnosis and intern, overall football intelligence, so I'm interested to see if Battle can be the one that, if Battle is a starter and not Nick Scott, because Nick Scott was a starter on the Rams, but he wasn't anything special, and, and they, and the contract reflects that it's like one, $4 million a year. So I think you'll be interested to see who actually will be the two starters. If Dax Hill isn't a starter, then that's a pretty big problem because that means a pretty big swing and a miss on a first-round pick. But they have a lot of continuity. They have a very good defensive coordinator in Luana Rumo who, like, who gets the most out of the pieces they have. And so this year, I think, is the is the last year in this current window before they have to do a lot of uh, moving around and readjustments and whatnot and kind of try to seek some unconventional solutions. So I think this year will be the year they decide to go on. And I think that's why a lot of people are projecting some sort of like veteran running back or some sort of another, one more free agency acquisition for the Bengals to shore it up. But I don't think that's how Mike Brown operates. And after Justin Herbert's extension news came out this morning, we're waiting to see like what the numbers on Burroughs will be because Mike Brown for his penny pitching nature does pay his quarterback quite well. So we'll see. And this is I think their this is I think their best best opportunity because the roster is mature. They haven't lost too many vital pieces. And now that and this is the last year before they all get very, very expensive.
0: That is true. Brad, your view, we are all AFC uh guys here. So your view on the Bengals heading into the year uh this year and 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 kind of how you how you view them.
1: I mean the Bengals are one of the best teams in the league. I think this year they're I mean once again like there's a this is a three team race out here in the AFC as everybody in this in this in this video call knows and I mean this is this year is really the Bengals like like I feel like, from a contract standpoint, this is the best year for them to win it. I feel like this is this is one of the apexes of their window, and uh, I mean, it's probably last year was the absolute best one. But I mean, still this year, like, I mean, this is just a great team. Like, I, I, I'm not I'm not here to slander the Bengals. I respect the Bengals. Uh, I have my disagreements with their fans, uh, but I mean, that's just most fan bases. Uh, I feel like. <laughs> the The defense is the part that really f- slides under the radar. but like I mean where's where's the where's the Logan Wilson respect? I mean, I never see this guy get get any respect. And it's like this defense is very good. I still I still there's some part of me that still refuses to fully buy into Zach Taylor as a concept, but the program that he's running there, it's it's a winning it's a winning team. Yeah, I mean they're just gonna be really good this year. I mean, like there's not there's not a whole lot interesting to say about them at this point. I feel like it's just one of those teams that for the next few years you just pencil in as like they're a contender, and you move on, right?
2: You know, the fact that the roster hasn't changed too much, I think, also reflects in the fact that there isn't really much new to say. Like with the like when you have when you're missing when you lose like just one or two major players from the previous year, there really isn't much you can say other than until you get into the season.
0: Mason, any thoughts on Bengals before we move? You're muted.
3: You are muted. Ah, So uh, I think uh, Bradford put it pretty well and said a, a lot of it. And I, I definitely agree. Like it's not to like slander the Bengals by any stretch of the imagination, but once Joe Burrow gets his contract, it does make the the roster construction thing a, a little more difficult. There, there's more finesse that needs to be done. There's more working around that needs to be done on the contract. So it, it's not unfair to say that this is probably, again, maybe last year was, but this is kind of where their window, their peak of it is, and it's going to get a little harder from here, not to
2: say that they can't still do it, just a little more difficult, that's all. Yeah. yeah it pairs into the fact that the Bengals, like, traditionally, like, they don't do the, the cap manipulation, the void years, and uh, restructuring. They really don't like dead money. Like So, it's... But it's a little bit trickier, I think, if you if they go by the way they are always operated to kind of to maneuver around the large contracts that Burrow and Chase, possibly Higgins, possibly Logan Wilson, and other players are going to demand. So they're working with a bit more, bit less tools, I think, than most other than a lot of other places. So it'll be interesting to see.
3: Look, YB, they built an indoor training facility. Maybe <laughs> they're turning some things around.
2: I certainly hope so.
3: All right.
0: Let's get to the other big contender in this division. The Baltimore Ravens. And this this one really... I just have this question for Brad because it it does feel like he's made some comments on them. Everyone here knows it. Like, I I fall in love with teams each offseason. And I think anyone... Anyone here knows that I am a Ravens guy. This is this is the year where I am a Ravens guy and I am 100% in on Ravens as a concept. I just cannot wait to watch them. So, but I've noticed Brad has pushed back every time. And I have to ask you this Brad, even with you know a new coordinator who's going to throw the ball more, a bunch of new receivers, including Zay Flowers, who has been getting rave reviews all offseason as a guy that will come in and be a difference maker in the offense, along with Rashad Bateman and Odell Beckham Jr. Other than fair, totally fair concerns about Lamar Jackson's health, health, why aren't you all as high on this offense as I am? Because I truly do believe if the pieces click, Lamar has shown over and over again, I don't think there's anyone on this call stupid enough to be one of those people. That's like Lamar can't throw. We all know Lamar can throw. He's got an incredible arm. He's got incredible accuracy. He's got incredible arm strength. If they throw the ball more, if he uses his legs more as an added bonus and most of it's the passing game, they've got JK Dobbins. They've got Gus Edwards. The offensive line looks pretty solid. I guess why, why aren't you as high on this offense as I am Bradford, as some, as, as a team that has potential to compete with teams like the Bengals and the Bills and the chiefs as offenses, because I do think that the Ravens have to be put in that conversation.
1: I am high on this Ravens offense. And I do think the Ravens are going to be a really good team this year. I am. I've always been a Lamar fan. I've always liked Lamar. Uh, I think that for me, the reason why I'm not quite as high on them as you is because you're like a little too high on them where it's like, is like, like, I, I feel like the way that you talk about them is like, damn, if there's only three other teams in the AFC that have a track record of being exactly what you've described, which is why I give those other three teams sort of uh, the benefit of the doubt. Whereas like the Ravens, all the pieces are there. I agree with you. I think Lamar can absolutely put together that MVP-type season. If he stays healthy, he'll be in that conversation. But I think for me, when it comes to picking between these teams, especially in like a divisional race sense, i got to go uh, with the Bengals because they've shown it to me and the Ravens have not shown it to me. The, the, the wheels have fallen off a couple years in a row now. And I understand that a lot of that's injuries and a lot of that's random and all that stuff. But I think that whenever you bring in – you as a as a as a Broncos fan should should know this. Whenever a team brings in a bunch of big new names or whatever and and mashes them together, it's not always the success like that people expect it to be. You know, right after. I mean, i, 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 I mean, we're getting hyped about Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, I mean, this is. I mean, he's he's talented, but like, I don't know if like geriatric OBJ is is, is going to make this like the the 07 Patriots, you know what I'm saying? My comments about the Ravens have have had more to do with you than with the actual Ravens themselves, where it's, it's very clear to me that you run this agenda where Lamar becomes uh the greatest player of all time, and then you, you don't have to you don't have to cry about Mahomes anymore. It is it's just living vicariously. It's just not good for not good for you, you know. But but outside of that, the Ravens are a very good team. So like when I say Anything about the Ravens? I, I want you to know this is probably like an eleven-win squad in my estimation. Like I do think they're good.
0: All right, Mason, what do you think about the? What do you think about the offensive talent? I mean, let's let's just throw OBJ out there because I think we all know at this point in his career, OBJ is a fine wide receiver who's probably going to give you between nine thousand and thousand two hundred yards, and and be solid for you but maybe not a superstar Rashad Bateman when he was healthy last year and there are injury concerns with him when he was healthy last year he looked absolutely dominant he was by far the best receiver on the team and now they add Zay Flowers as well that that's just why I'm high on them plus everyone's forgetting they still have mark andrews and i get that mark andrews didn't have a great year last year but that was because mark andrews was literally the only weapon left on the team by the time the season was over i think having other people to spread the field we know that lamar jackson and mark andrews have a special connection the way travis kelsey and patrick mahomes do i think we'll see mark andrews as he has done in the past putting up numbers that are closer to Travis Kelsey than they were last year? So,
3: I mean, I think that all in all, um, with everyone healthy, they have a perfectly serviceable talent room when it comes to their offense. I think for at least this year, the biggest upgrade that they have, as far as I'm concerned, is the fact that Greg Roman isn't the one being their offensive coordinator anymore. I watched that dude ruin the Bills offensive chances for years. I then got to watch him go to the Ravens and have to listen to three years of Ravens offensive players being like the defense keeps calling out our plays. And it's like, maybe if it happens once in a while, okay, whatever. But it was like nearly a weekly report for a while that they're complaining of like, oh, the defense just knows what we're going to do literally all the time. And surprise, it's Greg Roman who's coordinating your offense. Of course that's what's happening. They all know what he's going to do literally all the time. And so I think, for me, I have no idea what Todd Monkett's going to bring to the table as far as like their coordinator. But at least it's not Greg Roman. That's literally the only thing I care about.
0: Right. That is a fair point because Greg Roman was not what was was this not a good coordinator? YB the defense. I, I, I wanted to ask you this because you've watched for Ravens much more than any of us, and I have questions about the defense. They don't make a lot of sense. I will I will give you that because Odafe Owe was very good last year and Roquan Smith fits pretty much perfectly into this scheme. They've got decent linebackers in Patrick Queen and Tyus Bowser, but part of me just remembers early last season when I was really watching the Ravens a lot and how often Kyle Hamilton got beat and how often Marlon Humphreys struggled. Is it fair to have concerns about their secondary or did Kyle Hamilton improve enough throughout the year to think that he'll make a jump to be the type of hyped up prospect he was coming out when there was a draft? Obviously, we know Marcus Williams is good and can play the position and because they'll need to be good because your second cornerback is is rocky sin. And then after that, you you basically have no depth. Um what what are your thoughts on the ravens secondary?
2: I mean, that'd be the part that would concern me if I was a Ravens fan because Marlon Humphrey has, like, he struggles with injury. He has somewhat of an injury, not an extensive one, but he's played through a niggling injury. And beyond Humphrey, like, Rockets in an okay corner. And after that, there's nothing. So that part is what well would probably concern me. I'm not as concerned about Kyle Hamilton if I'm a Ravens fan because I think the early season struggles I think, were, first of all, a defense, like, what but defense wide struggle, and also I think they because Kyle Hamilton is a bit of a very unique size and skill set combination. I think their first year defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, didn't quite know exactly how to utilize Hamilton until later. And, and, and I was aided by the fact that they got Roquan Smith, who is an immensely talented player. Like people say that the, the value of the linebacker position, the off ball linebacker, has diminished, but when you look at guys like Roquan and how they transform the defense, that's really not the case. Like, I think they're not as high on Patrick Queen as I think you might assume because his fifth-year option was declined earlier, and odds and a lot of people are projecting that this will be Queen's last year in Baltimore. And Their edges, I think, are not as ferocious as I think they need because Justin Houston is gone, Calais Campbell is gone. Like, even though they're old, they were productive. Odafe Owe was good last year, but he didn't get that second-year like development burst I think people wanted out of him. David Ojabo is still a mystery, although he did come back and play a couple of games at the end of the year after that Achilles tear, which is an encouraging sign. Tyus Bowser is okay. Bouquet is a pretty good defensive tackle slash defensive end, but on the whole, I think the, the Ravens were always known for that ferocious defense, and they did show signs of being a ferocious defense in the second half of last year after they got Roquan Smith, but – their secondary thing has become depleted to the point where it's fair to it's fair to question whether they can because yeah. when you think about it, the Ravens, uh, the Bengals have uh, uh, Chase, Higgins, and Boyd three three big wide receivers. Okay. The Steelers have Pickens, Johnson, and and whatnot. So they have at least two very good wide receivers. And then the Browns <laughs> they have a they have Amari Cooper and now they've added Elijah Moore who is. I think has prompts. So you can't just have one good corner like to shut down the opposing team and again you're facing these teams that aren't AFC North. So that'd be the biggest concern because they are very perilously thin at quarterback.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm I know
0: it's crazy to say this. I know because they are the Ravens, but I have so many questions on the defense. Like so many questions I, I I I'm really curious to like this is gonna have to be one of Harbaugh's best coaching jobs ever because it is really kind of thin at points and 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 a little bit concerning. Any other thoughts on the Ravens before we move forward? I, I, and I just want to say I maybe I overproject project a little bit. A little bit of a spoiler, I'm taking the Bengals to win this division. But I still think, I'm with Brad, I think 11 wins is pretty much perfect for the Ravens. But I do think if if they're healthy at the end of the year and they're playing good football going into the playoffs and Lamar's healthy and they've got their weapons, I really do believe that they should be considered... A threat to make it out of the AFC. I do believe if we get to the end of the year and they're playing their best football, they are right there with the Chiefs, Bills and Bengals. That's that's that has always been my belief. That's just that's where I think the team will be. Some people think that about the Jets. Some people think that about the Jaguars. To me, that fourth team that could surprise and emerge, I think it's for Ravens. That's but maybe that's just me.
2: That is a lot of ifs, though, and a lot of yep. ifs that haven't been proven over the past couple of years. So it's not like it's like a one-shot thing. Like Lamar was hurt for two straight years. It's for fair. Has, Lamar has, has been to
0: stay healthy. He has not had a healthy season in almost three years. I, yep. I mean, it 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 is getting kind of ridiculous. He has got to stay healthy this year.
2: Beckham's coming off like he, he had that injury in the Super Bowl two years ago, and then he skipped football for all of last year. Rashad yep. Bateman was already on the pup list. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Uh, say Flowers is small, though. I think, he, like, based on his tape, I think he plays bigger than his size. So Flowers, I think he, he'll, he'll be productive. And and obviously, the, I think the issue on their line is Ronnie Stanley, because Ronnie Stanley, when he's there, he upgrades that line immensely. But he's not always there. And that's not a fault of Ronnie Stanley. But, you know, it it seems like when when an undercurrent of injuries constantly seem to hit your team, I don't think it's a fluke anymore. Like there's something there, like what, what, I don't know what it is. It could be the player they play. It could be the training. It could be the practice routines they have. There's something there that constantly seems to hit the Ravens over and over. And it's, and it's getting to the point where you kind of take it as a given as opposed to a freak occurrence. I will
0: say this. If Lamar's the big one, if Lamar stays healthy, I think they will be fine because they did it. We are talking about the offense like there's no depth. They do have a little bit of depth. Devin DuVernay has shown enough that I think with Lamar Jackson as his quarterback, Devin DuVernay is a good enough target to be an NFL starter, as well as Nelson Aguilar, who has played very well in in spot roles over the past little bit. And Isaiah likely had a really good end to last season. So I they do have some depth, it's just Lamar. Lamar has to stay healthy. If Lamar stays healthy, I think I think we're we're talking about them as a real player come December, but he hasn't done that yet. So uh,
2: hey, hey, he's I, I been backed up fair. by Pro Bowl quarterback, uh, Brett, uh pro, pro bowl quarterback uh, Hunt uh hey, his first name, no, Huntley. no
0: Tyler Huntley slander here, University of Utah boy. Always and forever in my heart. But uh yeah, okay. That was great, boys. Good good Ravens talk. All right, let's get to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh as, as Bradford said, you know, thoughts change, opinions change throughout time. Uh, I, I'm here to eat some crow and say, okay, Kenny Pickett was average. I went back, watched some Kenny Pickett last year, you know, did some research in underlying numbers. I'm here to tell you, Brad. Maybe I was wrong to hate on Kenny Pickett as much as I did. He was average. But as the number one Kenny Pickett stand on this podcast, I have to ask you the question I have for the Steelers offense. A lot of talent on offense. Talent at pretty much every position on offense. Do we trust Matt Canada to make things easy for Kenny Pickett in year two? And where are we at here with... Pickett, at this point in his career, what kind of a jump are you expecting in year two?
1: I mean, you can't be trusting Matt Canada now, can you? I mean, you know, we got to, we got to, listen, we got to maintain some semblance of sanity in this, in this NFL. I mean, Matt Canada, it
2: stinks. It's his last knows. name. It's Matt yeah. Canada. How can you I trust
1: the... am <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, I wouldn't consider myself a very patriotic person, as uh, Sean Connery in one of my favorite films, *The Rock*, uh, mentions, I mean, patriotism is the virtue of the vicious, and I am not the vicious. I will tell you that much. But I am very proud of my home country. I, 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 as much as I am an anti-patriot, whenever the anthem plays, I do get this little warm swell in my heart. And whenever I'm watching Steelers or hearing Steelers talk, and I hear this bozo's last name, I just it makes me ashamed. It makes me ashamed of my, like, it, like it, it would be like if. Uh, uh, what was, was that idiot on the Broncos that was their coach last year? I don't know why. I'm, I'm blanking. Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett. Imagine if his name was uh, uh, Nathaniel South Korea. Like, he just it wouldn't do it for you, right? So, I'm saying that's how I feel about Canada. But I think that Pickett is just an average quarterback. I, I wasn't trying to hype him up as some, like, great thing. I was just trying to do a favor for a fellow short king. I think that he had this weird run last year where he just delivered in the most randomly clutch moments. Like, it, it was just weird. Where like whenever you, you needed a big play at the last second, he would give it to you, which I don't know how sustainable of an experience that is. I feel like the wide receiver core is so good that it will be a productive offense, even if Canada is, remains an idiot. Like, I mean, Pickens is the next big thing, in my opinion. I'm a huge fan. I was... Very upset when the Chiefs passed on him. As much as I like Carloftis, I when I was watching that and and they were like and they was the Chiefs picked George and I was like losing my mind. I was so excited. And we we got we got a good George, but not the best George that we could have gotten in that scenario. I mean, it's, we got a top two George in the draft. I mean, what can you do? But uh, the Steelers, like, I just trust them to be average. You know, like. It's been a few years now where I, I've almost bought into the feeling that the floor is falling out in Yenzer in Land. And, and you look at the record and it's like, oh, they got nine wins. I mean, it, it felt like the sky was falling and they got nine wins again. I mean, how do they do it? They just keep doing it. So, once it's one of the teams that's, that's earned my faith to be average. I really think this team's playoff chances hinge on TJ Watt's health. If you get a full, healthy season of TJ Watt, I think they're the last wild card team, but if he is missing time, I do not think the defense will be good enough to make up for what will probably be most games an average offense. Thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I think I, I don't quite agree with you on that. I think the defense is way better than you're giving it credit for, um, especially with what they did at cornerback bringing in uh Joey Porter junior and patrick peterson who i think can both be solid corners for them you're also forgetting about alex highsmith who has been sneaky one of the best edge rushers like under the radar guys in the nfl over the past few years he has always been a favorite of mine and i think when even when tj watt was out last year he's still produced and he's still helped bring a solid pass rush I mean they added Larry Joby. like that's a that's pretty big ad Cameron Hayward is still playing very good football for his age I like the defense a lot I don't I, I I don't see many weaknesses in it I think it could be one of the best in the NFL to be completely honest with you there's not a ton of depth that's where I'd maybe knock them but they're starting 11 put give me that over pretty much anyone else and I, i'd take it up there with the eagles and the cowboys and all the other great defenses in me the nfl especially if you're being coached by mike tomlin i think that's such a huge edge and i i, I don't know I, I i i i buy into the defense mason you're
3: muted i think the defense has a lot of potential to be really good but i think that Bradford makes a good point, like t j. Watt really was kind of like that Jenga piece that made the defense really awesome that that really made it. so it's one of those defenses that can actually carry a team and get them a couple of wins. Obviously, it's not like one of the you know, we've seen over the past couple of years like a really great defense will win you a few close games, but it's not like a recipe for. 12 or 13 wins during a season. You need that offense that can actually provide you juice. And I don't know that they necessarily have that, which makes it a little tougher for them. But I mean, their defense has the chance to be one of the best in the league easily and, and genuinely steal them a few games as long as TJ Watt stay healthy and can provide them that.
0: Yeah. Do YB, do you buy any of this hype out of Steelers training camp that uh, Kenny Pickett's arm looks stronger because again that that was a big knock on him coming into the league but I don't know I I personally believe that like you can't really teach accuracy unless you see Josh Allen's quarterback coach um, but you can always improve arm strength I kind of do buy that maybe he has a slightly better arm going into this year
2: I certainly hope so. I mean, that's kind of what you're in the pros for. Like, it's to be, have better training and better regimen and better coaching than you had in college. So you would hope that it, it improves after last year. Because Pickett, I think, like, like I wasn't as down on Pickett as I think well, you were either. So I think he, I thought he played respectably. Like, maybe not great, but and not like I think he, he was below Mac Jones's rookie year. I'll say that much. Like, but and I think like he'll, I think his his ceiling might be around. If it's best case scenario, Kirk Cousins probably. Like, I okay. think he could be a Kirk Cousins if he if everything lines up for many. He, and he doesn't. He has a good head. Good head on his shoulders, which I think he does. So, like, I think that's the best case scenario for him. And like the defense, like they're very very good. I think you mentioned Highsmith. He's not under a radar anymore. He just got paid a boatload of money, and uh can't obviously T.J. Watt. Like when he's there, that defense is different. Like that that. Because T.J. Watt can play both the run and the pass very, very, very well, and I I just didn't remember the guy like jumping up the line and intercepting Joe Burrow twice over the course of the season, season which I thought was hilarious in a very cynical in a very twisted way. And the, I think they like they made some good acquisitions to kind of fill in the gaps because the quarterback room is not exactly great. But Patrick Peterson I think provides a good veteran presence for to teach kids like Joey Porter. Or some of the some of the younger veterans like Levi Wallace, they have Nick Fitzpatrick back there, who was who played at an all-pro level last year. He was incredible last year, but that other safety spot is a little, you know, a bit more suspect. And their linebackers like like Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts are okay, but then again, last year's linebackers weren't weren't any great either. So I think that's a wash. Like an offense, I think the I think they had the right idea because they're the ones that traded up to get ahead of the Jets to get Broderick Jones, who I think was one was seen as the last of the Tier 1 tackles in last year's draft, and also screwed over the Jets somewhat, which I think was an added bonus for the old Bill Belichick. And they brought in Isaiah Alamalo from the Eagles, who is a very good guard. So I think they've shored up a lot of holes that existed as recently as like two years ago on the offensive line, because that offensive line was dreadful in, like just a couple years ago. So and they have obviously the scopes and players that you want in like, Deontay Johnson, who had a down year last year because he couldn't catch it, couldn't catch it in the end zone. George Pickens, who showed a lot of flashes as a rookie, and I think he'll get better. Fire Booth, who I think, is constantly an underrated tight end. Like if you weren't a stealer, I'd love, I'd love that guy to death. So, like. I mean, I have, I have a great amount of antipathy for the Steelers organization as I think you remember on our first podcast earlier, when I started the section with Fuck the Steelers and I will say that again until I'm blue in the face, but they had like, Brad, as Brad commented last year, they have absurd plot armor that are constantly, somehow managed to get above 500, so I think that's when they'll be this year. Like, it'll depend h- highly on whether TJ can stay healthy and also whether T- Kenny Pickett develops somewhat, but the Matt Canada-led offense, I think, doesn't really uh, give me a lot of confidence in that that will be the case. And I do want to mention that there's a lot of discussion about whether Najee Harris is actually good. And I think he is good. Like, I, like in the beginning of last year, he was he did not look like, like what he looked in his rookie season when obviously he was a bit of a plotter, but he, could, he was durable and he could get you the hard yards where needed. So they brought in this kid named Jalen Warren, and he was decent as well, but I think like the Pittsburgh. I think the Pittsburgh is way too low on Najee Harris. Like Najee Harris is a good kid. He's a good running back. So I think they have a lot of good weapons that he can do a lot of damage with. It just it's just a matter of the guy at the top calling the plays and and trying to get the offense to maximize the potential, which they haven't done over the, in Canada's time there. So I think scenario scenario. I think they get. They could get to 10 wins, I think, because that defense is so ridiculously ferocious and they have good weapons, but I don't think that best-case scenario will be happening.
0: I will ask this. If Kenny Pickett gets to Kirk Cousins' level, so somewhere between the 10th and 13th best quarterback in the NFL, let's just say 10th. Let's just say he's a top-10 quarterback, because I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. If he gets there, I think that's the ceiling. If he gets there, are the Steelers the fourth team that's a threat in the AFC? Honest question here. I know that Brad won't be able to take it seriously because putting Kenny Pickup up against Patrick Mahomes is just juvenile and stupid and, and not really a case for concern. But Think about it for just a second. If the defense is playing out of its mind and great, and Kenny Pickett's a top 10 quarterback with all the weapons they have on offense, can this team hang in games with the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs in the postseason?
2: They hung They hung in games with the Bengals last season, and that was part, that was with one missing T.J. Watt in the, at the end of it. So, I mean, they can definitely hang in, and, although – There is that strange thing where an AFC North intra-division game always gets messy and always it's always close and there's rarely a blowout. But I think like Um, even if Kenny Pickett reaches the ceiling at the ceiling that I'm projecting anyway and gets like to be Kirk Cousins level, I think they're their their ceiling this year anyway, I think is the fifth team, not the fourth team. Because I don't see them as being better than the Ravens on a consistent basis. you could ask questions about whether they're better than, say, the Jags, or or I don't know, the Chargers. Like regardless of how many jokes we make about, them. or obviously the Dolphins and the other guy, other teams in the AFC, East, the Jets. Like it's the AFC is crowded. Right? Like we yeah. ca- we talk about those big three teams, but there's a good amount of teams mm-hmm. vying for that fourth spot and looking to knock somebody out of that top three, out of their off their perch. So. They could they could develop, but they I don't think they'll get that fourth spot because there's too many too much competition with too many good teams. Hmm. Mason, yeah, I, I
3: it's hard because there really just isn't the room. It's it's so crowded. There's so much. I don't want to say mediocre because it's not really even fair to that second tier of AFC teams because like the three that we talk about uh, elite is a a strong word, but it's not necessarily unfair for three teams with the sustained success they've had over the past couple of years. I would say, you know, it's fair to call the, the next tier of maybe six or seven teams good to great. And so like, where do you find the room for them to fit in on all of that?
0: Yeah. It's interesting to me. And I, I think it shows by how long we've talked about them. The Sealers are like one of the most interesting teams in the NFL this year. Hands down. Like they're one of the teams that I'm most interested to watch week one. I just want to see what they look like. Uh, I just want to, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated with this division as a whole. I think it's up there with the AFC East for one of the best divisions in, in the league. And uh, I'm just fascinated to see what happens. All right, Brad. Is it time for indie movie yet?
1: I'm getting I'm getting close. We can, we can squeeze we can squeeze out some Browns talk real fast though if you want.
0: Okay, let's squeeze in some Browns talk really quick. Squeeze
1: out some Browns.
0: Yeah. Squeeze out some Browns. Uh one <laughs> I wish we were in a better position with the quarterback. I really do. I thought, well, maybe a year after all the everything that went down with Deshaun Watson, I'll kind of forget about it. Uh, but then he's at training camp and he shows zero remorse again. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's pretty easy for me to just like continually root against you to eat shit and die for the rest of your entire career. So, um, fuck that guy. I, I guess, I guess we like, we do have to give him the benefit of the doubt as a football player, but he was truly terrible last year. Uh, but my question is not with Deshaun Watson. Like, let's just assume that. the worst comes to fruition and Deshaun Watson is a top 10 quarterback because I do believe there is a real chance they have a great offensive line that he will be a top 10 quarterback this year my question is this for you guys where is this Browns receiving core at in the grand scheme of the NFL because let me just read some names to you here Amari Cooper Elijah Moore Donovan Peoples Jones, David Njoku, Marquise Goodwin, Cedric Tillman. They sneaky have a pretty loaded set of weapons. I don't know. I kind of put this up there as one of the better wide receiving groups in the AFC.
2: Well, I mean, they have, I mean, they're all talented players, as you mentioned, but the problem is let's look at this division alone. The Bengals have obviously Chase Higgins and Boyd. Like you're not going to put the you're not going to put the Browns Browns core over them. The Steelers have Deontay Johnson, uh, George Pickens, and Pat Fryer. You, I think most people would still put the Steelers wide receiving core and the tight end tight end above the Browns positions. The Ravens, because the entire receiving core made out of paper mache, might be worse than the Browns receiving core. But even that's a big if because when at the top of their game, Odell Beckham was a much better player than Marnie Cooper, but obviously we don't expect that out of Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham anymore. So when you look at it, they're a, good, they're a good core, but they're not even in the top two in their division. So how much can you really say about that?
0: Yeah, that, that's a fair point. I'm just looking at it as it's they got better than last year, which I think is what you always want to do if you're an NFL team. You want to get better than the previous year, if you can. Uh, Brad, your thoughts kind of on the Cleveland Browns going into this year?
1: They they definitely have, like, the pieces to come together and be a really good team. Like, I think that for what he's accomplished in the NFL this far, I feel like Miles Garrett just still slips under the radar a little bit more than he should. Like, it's just – it just kind of feels like – like it's one of where nobody's going to talk about the Browns this year because who wants to talk about the Browns? Like there's just that air of disgust around them, and they're probably going to be like I don't like they're probably going to win a playoff game to be honest with you. Like if it all comes together, which there's no guarantee that it does. Like I don't. Deshaun looked like like just just terrible last year, and he, I, I mean. If that's what it is, that's, I mean, that's obviously hilarious and the most brownsy outcome imaginable, that they sell their souls for a guy that's, that's just straight-up shit. And it's like, what, what, what are we doing here? And so I'm rooting for that option, obviously. But my honest thing is I'm going to go somewhere in the middle between, like, a success and a, and a, and a train wreck disaster. I feel like this team is going to, like, miss the playoffs by one game, but they'll be in the wild card race late. And, like, sort of like – a. And sort of like Russ, where it's like he's not going to have it as disastrous of a season back-to-back. If you're going to give the courtesy to Russell Wilson, you got to give the courtesy to Deshaun Watson, right? So it's like I think it'll, it'll just be like one of those teams where ultimately like, there might be a little bit of late-season drama with them. And I'm not talking like like he gets sued again, which is probably likely. I mean, that there's probably going to be a little bit of like, oh, are the Browns going to make it? And then they don't make it but it's like they don't make it in a way where their fans aren't apocalyptic. It's just kind of like, eh, Brown stuff. Does that make sense? Yes.
0: Potentially. I do. The defense, they couldn't stop a run last year. They brought in Dalvin Tomlinson. I've always liked him. They brought in Zadarius Smith, who, like, if you can get a late career resurgence out of him, that's a... Suddenly, a pretty terrifying edge duo. You know, I like JOK. Um, I'm I'm interested in the secondary. Like Denzel Ward's good, but everyone else is just a ton of hype and hasn't really paid off in the NFL. I'd like to see what this team like. Everyone's so concerned about what they'll do against the run. I want to see how they defend the pass because I, I'm not I'm not super confident in. Grant Delpit and Juan Thornhill. I'm sorry, I'm not. I know, I know Thornhill is a guy that you're probably fond of, Brad. But like, I, 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 I don't view him as like an elite safety. And me he's enough,
1: fine, he's fine. Like, like he's okay, yeah,
0: that's what I look at the secondary, and I say, oh, it's it's fine, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow's gonna torch that. Like Joe Burrow will torch that. And Lamar Jackson, if he plays well, and if the offense works. Will torch them, and there's a chance Kenny Pickett torches them because they just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's such an average secondary, such an average secondary. That's the number one thing that jumped out to me when I was doing research on them. Very average secondary.
2: Well, I mean, Joe Burrow, by tradition, hasn't really torched the Browns in his professional career. That was a very famous a jinx that existed okay. for the for the Bengals in the Zach Taylor era until the final game last year when they pull off an amazing flea flicker and beat him pretty soundly. But um I think I I don't think I'm as down on their secondary as you are because that's award is a given. Obviously he's a very, very good quarterback. And Greg Newsom, I think, played pretty well. Like he didn't play he wasn't great, but he was a very serviceable second quarter. Martin Emerson is he showed flashes in his rookie year. You're hoping he gets he develops more in his second year. The safeties, i have admit, are somewhat underwhelming when it comes to, like, they all are. But the defense, I think, will still remain... The big question will be, can they stop anyone going up the middle and running all over them? Because Uh Dalvin Tomlinson will help in that regard. But other than that, like there really isn't someone that's really functional towards stopping the run. Like, they have Miles Garrett, Garrett, but Garrett doesn't play the run as well as someone like TJ Watt amongst those top-tier edge rushers doesn't play as well as say like someone like Nick Bosa right? and I don't think that's a that's an that, that's not an insult to Miles Garrett it's just how they play Zarius Smith I think there's a reason that the Vikings were like willing what was it? the Vikings it was the Vikings or the Packers I forget but anyway there's a reason I think they were willing to let go Zarius Smith like that for that cheat and Last year, like the, the no, Bengal, no, not that. the Browns' locker room was also they had a lot of uh, issues with regarding like internal, regarding a lot of internal conflict and a lot of uh, especially on the defensive side. So you wonder if that and Zayarius Smith, I think, would had that sort of reputation as well in last season. So you wonder how that mixture will uh function in all in all general in all purposes. They do have a new defensive coordinator who isn't Joe Woods, so I think that might help because. Joe Woods was, I think, public enemy number one yeah. in Cleveland for a very good long time last season. They're def- all their defensive coordinators. On offense, I mean they have decent weapons. Like Amari Cooper, I think I, I think I was low on I was way too low on Amari Cooper last year. And I think we played very well, mainly because I didn't expect Kobe Brissett to play as well as he did. But if Deshaun Watson like if the best he can do is throw a, throw a football into a into a netting at from ten yards out while walking. And yeah, Deshaun Watson ain't going back to the levels that he that he used to be playing at in on the Texas. That was that was. I'm not sure what the Browns uh, team were thinking putting that out on Twitter, but or, or X or whatever the hell he almost is, is calling that thing these days. Like Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb. He's arguably one of the few remaining running backs in the NFL that are that whose contract is worth it. I think like, Nick Chubb is an incredible. Nick Chubb is an incredible player. I think he deserves all the money he's got for that contract. And their line is good because I think they successfully replaced uh, uh, their retiring center. And Ethan Poach has played, played, played very well. Wyatt Teller is very good. Joe Batoni is very good. Jedrick Wills is a bit more of a question mark, I think, because he struggled, I think, after a pretty solid rookie year. Jack Conklin is coming off a major injury, so that's also something to be aware of. But on the whole, they're a good team that is unfortunately stuck in a very, in a very good division. I think that'd be my opinion. They're a solid team stuck in a very very good
1: division.
0: I want to ask the group this really quick and then we can wrap up the AFC North. How hot of a seat is Kevin Stefanski on? Like, what happened has to happen for the Browns to say, all right, we've got this quarterback, but we've got to go in a different direction with the coach because it's not working out. Like, what what what's for record what does the offense have to look like for that to happen mason oh i don't think mason can hear me maybe uh so brad we'll go to you
1: i mean i feel like you gotta go nine or ten wins maybe nine wins isn't even enough like is the bar the playoffs Like, it might be. Like, the Browns are pretty hasty on these things. So, the bar might straight up just be like the wild card. Like, uh, I don't know. And it feels, that feels a little hasty to me because I do think Stefanski's a good coach. But a lot of the goodwill he built up in that first year is gone, right? So, I I would say probably 10 wins.
2: I think the the bar's, I think, I personally think the bar's higher because of what they gave up to get Deshaun Watson. If you gave if you that's gave Deshaun Watson, yeah, yeah, but they're probably but that's the the bar is set by them. You know, the bar for firing a coach is set internally as opposed to external. So, like when you gave up that much money and that even that that ridiculous contract and all those draft picks to get Deshaun Watson, and all you have are and you, it's been two years into a guaranteed contract. And if you're if you don't get at least a win in the playoffs, then what exactly have you gotten out of that massive investment? And so I think. In addition to Stefanski, their GM Andrew Barry might also be on the hot seat if things go south in a hurry. Like, I think for them, they need at least a playoff appearance, at least at the very least, and even a playoff appearance. If they if they shit the bed on the in the wild card, that might not be enough because then you get the situation of we brought in all these assets, gave up so much to bring in this troubled but a very talented player, and you haven't gotten anything out of him. Are you really the man for the job? So I think if unless they get at least the unless a win in the postseason, I think Stefanski is gone after this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, this this is a great way to wrap up because it it really does hit the theme. I think we do we we did determine the bar for for them to keep Stefanski, which is high. They have to be the fourth team. They have to be the fourth team. If they're not the fourth team, then he's probably gone. Um. So that'll be very interesting to check i don't think mason can hear us uh, oh i can hear you okay or or, okay i'm I'm glad you're back now but that's it guys that's that's a podcast i i appreciate us all being in the same space for this one i hope we can all get back together again for the afc west i am planning on doing a second uh show later this week uh to do the nfc east with our friends Donnie and Ryan if any of you are available I'll give you the details about that after we wrap up the show here if not also totally fine and then I think next week I might try to have our good friend Trey Watkins on to do an AFC South preview on Tuesday before I head out of town for the weekend so I'm hoping before I hit Lollapalooza this next week that we have exactly five division previews up, which would be good progress for uh the second week in august anyways guys thank you so much for joining me we appreciate it yb thank you i know this has been a longer episode until next time we will see you later follow us on on axe i guess that's that's what it's called now on uh, on twitter at endzone pod i have yet to tweet out the afc east podcast so there's gonna be a lot of podcasts being tweeted out tomorrow uh until then we will see you all next time enjoy training camp folks peace out